Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran. Welcome. It is beautiful to be with you this week, and we have a really rich and powerful show. It touches upon places within me that feel so intimate, that feel extremely experiential. Many of my questions throughout my life have often been, can one individual, regardless of who they are, tap into enlightenment, truly attain their divine presence, that interconnection with the holy divine, the one mind, the all one? And I think much of my life has been in that pursuit, sometimes consciously, other times unconsciously. And about 10 years ago, I encountered an experience that really brought me into places of darkness that felt like there was an alchemical point of opening for me. And through that process of allowing myself to become the prima materia, allowing myself to really dissolve into not only the experience, but allow what was within me to continually dissolve, I began to uncover a different kind of light, different awareness, and a very intimate connection, not only to my humanity, but also to divinity. One of the things that took place at the beginning of that moment where I committed as much to the darkness as I had been to the light was I was given a message to paint to paint 40 paintings in 40 days. Now, I'd never picked up a paintbrush, didn't know how to paint, but I was in such a state of grief that I wanted anything that could take me out of my grief or speak to me in some way. And somehow moving into that process placed me somewhere else where I was no longer in my story, no longer in my grief, and images started to unfold on the canvas that struck me, that spoke to me, that were messages and stories to me and about greater consciousness. Now, I am certainly not the artist that my guest is, but her books and her art speak to the experience of what I had gone through myself and the experience that's available to each one of us. There's no way in this one-hour show to bring you the real richness and beauty of Marlena Seven Bremner's work, both her artwork and her books. But if you can simply have a taste, have a morsel, have a feeling into of what we are going to discuss, 
I think you will be called to pick up her books and find out more about her and her work. Right now, our world is in incredible upheaval and uncertainty. There is overpopulation, there's scarcity, there's global conflict, there's all types of social injustices, and the occult arts and sciences of astrology, alchemy, and magic are rising into mainstream culture. This is what she speaks upon. The sacred arts of alchemy, astrology, and theurgy conveyed to humanity through the divine mind and how they teach us about the relationship between the immortal soul and the material body, or consciousness and matter, between fate and will, between an idea and its realization. As human beings, we are endowed with the same creative capacity that exists in the divine mind, and through the creative process, we are part of the creation of the ceaselessly changing eternal universe. These are Seven's words from her books. The cosmos is birthed through the mind in its multiplicity of forms, all emanating from the unlimited potential of the One. Understanding the creative process goes hand in hand with humanity's stories about creation of the cosmos and of humanity itself. It is the essential knowledge that we need for the creation of a future that is not only sustainable, but also flourishing and prosperous for all of life. My guest today is Marlena Seven Bremner, and she is a self-taught oil painter, writer, and teacher who has spent more than 20 years exploring esoteric and spiritual traditions, including hermeticism, alchemy, surrealism, symbolism, tarot, psychology, magic, astrology, shamanism, and mythology. She developed her career as an artist in the Pacific Northwest and now spends her time painting and writing in the New Mexico desert. You can find out more about her at marlena7bremner.com. That link is in the bio description. And without further ado, I want to welcome Seven to 1111 Talk Radio. It is such a delight to have you here. Oh, thank you, Simran. It's a pleasure to be here. And I just so appreciate that beautiful introduction and the story that you shared. Thank you. It's a rich set of books, and so much of what I saw in both of them really spoke to the process that I personally went through. And something that I really keyed in on in the beginning was you talk about self-initiation and how important that role is for us to engage that self-initiation to begin this process of exploration and alchemy and open to then the imagination, the creativity, the great work, the understanding. Talk a little bit about self-initiation and what that really entails and perhaps what that has looked like for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when when people hear the word initiation, what comes to mind is some sort of formal group order that, you know, initiates you into some sort of esoteric wisdom, but that is part of it. But I think we have the ability to um, guide ourselves through an initiation process, simply through setting our intention that we want to evolve and grow and expand and access deeper, uh, more authentic parts of ourselves. So I think that's a big part of it is simply um, 
setting the intention in that direction and allowing your intuition, um, your higher genius to guide you in the process, um, following synchronicity, listening to messages that you receive uh, from your dreams and from spirit and from the world around you, from people in your life, um, and allowing these kind of subtle uh, symbols and messages from your unconscious and from the world around you to guide you along the process. So that's how I see self-initiation, and that's how it's worked for me for much of my life, um, is simply being open and um, seeing myself on a path, uh, seeing myself um, always seeking um, whatever it is that's going to be uh, guiding me toward a deeper understanding of myself and of life itself. And that does require a level of discipline and devotion so that I guess the insights and the revelations can come in their own way. We live in a world where we're constantly bombarded with so much outer information and oftentimes the chaos of that. So to really allow oneself that inner space of quiet and attunement and opening is a very powerful place to be. How do you as an artist and a writer allow yourself the sacred cave to go into, the boundaries to place around you so that you are able to tap into the purest of your imagination, your creativity, the insights that are wanting to come through? Yeah, I think that's so important to be able to create that um, the boundaries between the outer world and the inner world and to create a sacred space for inspiration and creation to come through. And it can be quite challenging, especially in this day and age. Um, like you said, we're so bombarded with um, stimulation and information from the world around us. Uh, it's very difficult to break away from it. So again, this takes an intentional decision to create that space, um, to create a set of boundaries where that creative process can flourish. So for me, um, that's something that I started to do pretty early on in my life, um, just out of necessity. And, you know, at first it was mainly focused on creating space for meditation and for um, my spiritual process and my spiritual work. And later it became fused with the creative process. And I see creativity and spirituality as essentially the same thing. Um, but yeah, just creating a time, you know, setting aside time for this inner exploration, for creativity, for connecting with the soul. Um, it's essential to to tap into our authentic selves and to be um, aligned with something um, true within us. We have to give it that space. We have to um, invite it in. I've always been drawn to surreal art. And so I absolutely loved, fell in love with all of the artwork that is shared in uh, both of your books, The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy, as well as uh, the Hermetic Philosophy and Creative uh, Alchemy. And 
one thing that it does seem in one particular piece that I really, really loved, it, it resembles infinity, yet it also resembles the Ouroboros, and you have the swan mm -hmm. on one side and the gator on the other. Mm -hmm. it, that really spoke to me, not only the inner journey, but the interweaving of life with that inner journey and how that creates also our inspiration creatively, but also the involution that is required to go within to keep discovering these parts mm -hmm. of ourselves. Talk a little bit about that piece and how you see that interlinking between our inner spiritual world and the experiences, especially now that we are seeing in the world in our outer life. Yeah, that piece is at once, it's a, a lemon skit or the infinity symbol. And it's also two interlinked Ouroboros. One is a swan and one is a crocodile. And the swan is kind of in this involutionary position, turning inward. And the crocodile is in an evolutionary position, turning outward. And so together, they're balancing each other out and they are linked together, um, but they could let go at any point, you know, and release this bond. And yet they are holding it there in the state of balance and peace. Um, and the swan, on the one hand, represents a more, um, it represents the light or more expansive state of consciousness and the crocodile represents the darkness and a more contracted state of consciousness. And we need both of these. We need the ebb and we need the flow. We need the opening and the closing. We need activity and we need rest. And so this piece is really about honoring both sides of our being and both um, movements in life, whether we're evolving or um, moving in an involutionary manner and turning inward. And also another aspect of that painting is sort of the balance between chaos and order um yeah and again between dark and light and the necessity of both of those i think that piece really spoke to me because it very much reflected the journey that i took that was of the involution and really going into the darkness and allowing that to work within me and then coming back up for air in different ways into the light. And so it was really, really a powerful piece. And the other link that I see that's really connected between our work, because I just released a trilogy that's a, a set of oracles, and mm -hmm. they, uh, they are living the seven blessings of human experience, being the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace and knowing the seven human expressions of grace. And they depict the multidimensional human, the different aspects that we have of ourselves. Within your books, you talk a lot about seven. <laughs> your middle name is seven. Mm -hmm. and, and seven is a highly spiritual number. So I found that really uh, intriguing and, and linking and quite spiritual of the use of seven in both of our work. Can you talk a little bit more about the power of seven in terms of nature, cosmology, spirituality, and why that's so important in your books. Yeah, well, with the um, the ancient traditions of astrology and magic and alchemy, seven was a very important number. And it was the number of the planets that were visible to the naked eye, the wandering stars. Um, and so that's really the focus in both of the books is on those seven 
um, traditional planets. And we can also understand these as um, the seven chakras within the human esoteric anatomy and the central channel of energy that runs up along the spine. And we can think of the seven um, colors of the rainbow of the spectrum. And when they're unified, then we get the, the pure white light of the sun, all of the colors combined into one. And in the same way, we can harmonize our chakras and come into alignment so that we are um, emanating fully with all of those energies activated and open. And with the planetary energies, these are like archetypal forces. Um, and in the traditional hermetic uh, conception, they work upon us. And this is what we think of as fate. So essentially, they're working upon us through our unconscious mind. And the more conscious awareness that we bring to these energies, the more that we can understand them and how they affect us in our personal life, um, how these planetary and mythological archetypal energies are expressing themselves through us. Um, the more we can do that, the more creative agency that we begin to have over our fate and we step into our destiny and access our real, true, authentic creativity. Um, and it's a beautiful process to begin understanding these different, these seven archetypal energies and we can see them expressed throughout all cultural traditions. Um, it's something that is it seems to be simply just a pattern of the divine mind itself, which you know our individual human mind is an um, integral part of that divine mind and that patterning. Both of your titles, The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy and Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy, have two words that are common between them. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about each of one. And I'll start first with alchemy, because you do say this is a psycho-spiritual art of engagement with life that involves the soul, mind, and body. So talk a little bit about uh, what you're really wanting to bring forth in terms of the idea of alchemy and our use of alchemy as this psycho-spiritual art? Sure, yeah. Well, alchemy has a rich tradition uh, going back to ancient Egypt and developing through the Hellenistic world, um, through the Arabic world, <clears throat> through medieval times. And I think what a lot of people imagine or think of when they hear the word is um, medieval alchemists in their laboratory working to transmute lead into gold. And um, many of them going mad for mercury poisoning in the process. Um, and that, you know, that's a valid part of the tradition. Uh, there certainly was that aspect, but it also has always been um, united with the spiritual process. So even though many alchemists were working in laboratories to transmute physical materials, they were also aware of an inner transmutation that was taking place. And this was the um, transmutation of the lead within the soul into the gold of the soul. So taking these heavy, dense, <clears throat> dull, limiting qualities that we confront in life and being able to creatively transmute them into something exalted and perfected and beautiful that reflects the divine. So 
that's always been a part of the alchemical tradition is this union of um, the physical and the spiritual. And so alchemists were working mostly in a laboratory for that physical aspect, but it was a creative process that was unfolding. And the way I see alchemy is that it's really a creative way of uniting the inner and the outer world. Um, and it's that union of these two worlds that's really at the heart of the alchemical work. Um, being able to see something that's transmuting externally and see that reflected internally and vice versa. And so we can do this through the creative process. And another note I want to make is that uh, we are all creative by the very fact that we are human beings. We are creators. So a lot of us may not consider ourselves artists per se, but we are creative nonetheless. And there are a multitude of ways that we can engage with the alchemical work in our life uh, through the creative process. And you also connect alchemy to the seven planets and how they, in a sense, also work within us, yet we are here to transcend the fates of these planets as well. Yes. Yeah. So the alchemists, um, sorry, in alchemy, the seven planets are related terrestrially to the seven metals. And again, we can relate this to the seven chakras within the body and find those correspondences between the planets, the metals, the chakras, and also just simply between those and these archetypal energies um, that are affecting us physiologically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Um, and the, the work is really to find those places where those metals or energies are asking to be transmuted, where there's challenges, reactivity, uh, difficulties, um, those places where we get kind of stuck. And through the various processes of alchemy, we can begin to transmute those into a more exalted state of consciousness. Within the sections on the planets, it talked a lot about uh, how they direct the energies of our minds or our actions and, and our own expressions. And yet we are to do this work so that we no longer are controlled by the forces, but actually rise up into that higher state of mind, that all one that actually has power and dominion to, mm -hmm. to create in this world. Uh, how do you see uh, art or some type of creative activity supporting that journey through the transcendence of fate? Well, I see art as a way to, to understand how those forces are affecting us. Because if we think of the planetary energies in their mythological sense related to different deities, uh, they represent stories, patterns within the divine mind, and we're living those out all of the time. And if we start to bring awareness to what stories are unfolding in our life, we can find correlations with, with mythology and find our place within those myths and begin to understand uh, perhaps a better way forward rather than living out a myth that is going to bring us to a place of suffering or pain. 
or limitation. So through the creative process, we can begin to give expression to those myths and allow them to evolve through us. And another aspect with art is that if these forces are working upon us unconsciously, uh, we can allow, you know, spontaneous expression creatively to, to reveal to us what those unconscious forces uh, would like to teach us, what we need to learn from them. So with surrealism, there are certain techniques of, you know, spontaneously bringing out contents of the unconscious and allowing them to be expressed, you know, onto the page or onto the canvas or through the written word, um, things that we might otherwise not be able to access. And then we can see them projected externally into some sort of form externally and learn from them in that way. So there's, there's many different ways that I see the creative process as facilitating an understanding of how these forces are affecting us in our life. Um, whether that's, you know, through a visual medium or not, I think the creative process is really a fundamental way to, to take what's hidden within us and to give it form and expression so that we can better understand it and communicate with it. That's beautiful. The other word that is in both titles, the hermetic marriage of art and alchemy and hermetic philosophy and creative alchemy is uh, hermetic. And you say that the core of the hermetic teachings is the message that the individual soul is not separate from the one. How can hermetic philosophy help humanity personally and collectively? Yes, exactly. That is uh, what I find to be the core doctrine of the hermetic teachings is that everything emanates from a unified source. And so the individual soul, the individual mind is directly connected with that unified source. We're not separate from it. Um, and when we talk about ascending through the spheres and all of that, it's really just a removal of all the superfluities that are preventing us from seeing that we're already part of that source. We're already intimately connected with it. Um, and to me, if we really feel that, if we really connect with that sense of oneness with all things, with all of humanity and all of life, with the entire cosmos, um, it pretty much eliminates any desire to want to you know, hurt anyone else or conquer anyone else or have power because you understand that unity. Um, and also, I think through doing this work and connecting with the planetary energies, understanding them, um, and in the hermetic sense, it's, it's called de-energizing the spheres, the planetary spheres, essentially removing our reactivity to these different energies that are pulling us one way or the other. Um, the more we can do that and the more conscious we can become of our own projections in the world, the less conflict we're going to create, the less drama we're going to create with other people, and the more harmony we're going to start creating around us. The union so. between humanity and God is a core doctrine throughout Hermetic teachings and writings, as are the various levels or spheres and concomitant beings that exist as intermediaries between them. Divine essence permeates all things great and small, yet despite the inherent goodness of the world, where it exists as an emanation of the One, 
it is necessarily a diminution of the source energy. Humanity is described in its fall into matter and forgetfulness, and given instruction on the reascension to its former state in unity. Thus there is an emphasis on ascending through the various spheres of planetary and cosmic influence to return to the divine source. These are Marlena Seven Bremner's words from her books Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy and The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy, two beautiful volumes that definitely belong in your spiritual library. You can find out more about her at marlena7bremner.com. Check out some of the things coming up. She has a Watkins Book Talk, February 29th, and currently she's teaching a course that she will be releasing again in the fall, so sign up for her newsletter. We'll be right back with more of these hermetic teachings and learning about alchemy with Marlena Seven Bremner right after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
Before we get back to Marlena Seven Bremner's work, I want to mention a few new additions to Audible if you are looking for a good audiobook. I have just narrated several that are wonderful. One is The Twelve Steps of Forgiveness, which is by Paul Farini, whose books I absolutely adore. And this one is a really beautiful book to support you in that work, to do the forgiveness work that we all are here to do. In addition, there is Leaving Faith, Finding Meaning by Lynn Renoir. And also, there is a beautiful book called Undaunted that is really powerful in regard to climate chaos and climate change. So definitely look those up along with my book, Conversations with the Universe. How do we live amongst humanity in a material world and yet maintain our contact with the divine? The answer proposed by many of the ancient philosophers was that happiness is attained through virtue, a state of moral excellence. For Aristotle, in keeping with Socrates and Plato, virtue is central to the living of a good life. Yet, in his view, virtue lies in finding the proper equilibrium, or golden mean, between the extreme vices of excess or deficiency not necessarily aligning to the exact middle point between them, but sometimes closer to one or the other depending on the individual circumstances. Today we are discussing two books by Marlena Seven Bremner, The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy, Imagination, Creativity, and the Great Work, and Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy. The aim of her work is to illuminate, in small ways, the origins, development, and general philosophy, theology, and mysticism of Hermeticism and the art of alchemy, so that a solid foundation may be laid. Special attention is given to the alchemy as a psycho-spiritual art of engagement with life, involving the soul, the mind, and the body. It is all about consciousness. I invite you to explore more of her work and especially to let your eyes feast on her artwork. Go to her website, Marlena Seven Bremner. You can find that link in the bio description and find out more about everything that this beautiful being is putting into the world. So as we get back to our conversation, Seven, and we were talking about hermetic teachings, uh, you go into a little detail about the Emerald Tablet of Hermes and the As Above, So Below, some of the statements that further uh, underline the the oneness concept, the unity, and the principle in which the monad uh, represents the number one. All things then come from that. So when we look at the microcosm and the macrocosmic relationships that exist, talk a little bit about that from the Hermetic philosophy, and also in regard to how we utilize the planets as archetypes, and and then from there lift off into our own imagination and creativity. Sure. Well, as we were talking about before, um, in the Hermetic cosmology, all things are seen as emanating from a unified source, uh, which we might call the All, the One, the Absolute. Um, the source, the creator, God, um, by whatever name we call it, essentially it is the source of, of all things and all consciousness. And in that cosmology, energy is seen as emanating from that and um, sort of stepping down through a series of 
spheres, nested spheres that encompass the earth. And we can think of the earth as both the physical earth, but also the body, the earth being the body. And so you'll often see these beautiful diagrams with these um, circular nested spheres and the outermost sphere being that unified consciousness. And then each sphere descending inwards towards the center of the earth or the center of the body, the center of the self. Um, so those planetary spheres are included within that and they are usually depicted um, in a certain order, Saturn being the outermost because that was the furthest out. And I think um, the order that they're placed in is usually based on their relative speed. Um, but anyway, the soul, the human soul, as it descends into its um, material incarnation, it passes through these spheres and it takes on various energies, which then influence it throughout its life. And we can think of that as the natal chart in astrology, as sort of a snapshot of where those planetary energies are when someone is born into this life. Um, and that is you know, a blueprint of what we have to work with. I don't see it as limiting. I see it as a place of uh, transformation and potential. And wherever those planets are placed within the natal chart is sort of a, an opportunity for us to find the most beautiful, exalted expression of those placements. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question. It did. And as you, as you, Go into your first book, uh, Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy. You talk about the seven archetypes, the seven planets, the circle of animals and the zodiac, and you express how the two luminaries are the sun and the moon, which is all really, really beautiful and fascinating, as well as these watchers that watch over the seven in ordering all things. What I really loved was when you expressed astrology and magic as closely intertwined and that astrology and divination in themselves are a kind of magic. And I don't know that people would have necessarily thought about astrology as magic. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think there are two different ways to think of astrology. And one of them is, you know, astrological determinism, which basically says that we are bound by fate and by looking at the stars, we can see what that fate is going to be. Um, but I also think that we can work with astrology in a magical way where we begin to step into the harmony of what's happening on the celestial plane and integrate that into our lives. And to me, that's really just a process of honoring the planets, um, being engaging with them in a sort of devotional ritualistic way and integrating their energies into our personal lives, our everyday lives in, you know, in simple and practical ways. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Uh, so one of the ways that I think of astrology and magic working together is through having a planetary ritual practice. And, you know, every day of the week is ruled by a different planet. Um, including the sun and the moon. So the sun and the moon in the system are considered planets. Um, and every hour of the day is also ruled by a different planet. So we can begin to attune to these energies 
And then on a greater level, paying attention to where these planets are within the zodiac at any given time and honoring them. Uh, we can have, you know, sort of invocation ritual where we call in their energies or we just simply acknowledge them on their day or in their hour, uh, make some offerings to them. Or we might on a given day of the week, you know, today is Tuesday, which is ruled by Mars. And Mars is a very active, fiery energy. It connects us with our inner warrior. Um, so we might you know, wear the color of Mars on Tuesday, which is red. Um, also yellow could be a Mars color. Or maybe we wear really like active clothing or something that makes us feel uh, sporty or like a warrior. Um, so there's different ways of creatively engaging and integrating the planetary energies um, on a daily basis. And I think that's really where the real magic comes in, um, is simply stepping into this uh, harmony, this dance with the planets. I love the different graphs and tables that you have within the books. They really do kind of give a big picture and a, a bit of an understanding. And I felt like even looking at that at a subconscious level, things started to click into place in terms of uh, the utilization of uh, some of the astrology and the days of the week and uh, even parts of the body and all of all of that type of thing. So it is really beautifully laid out in in the work that you've created when we look at the moon, that is the planet of the mind. And we know that moon also symbolizes a lot of what's going on unconsciously or in the mysteries and the depths. And if we look at the world right now, particularly the United States, it feels like we're living in very much of a shadow consciousness at this time. And we are very heady people. So are we being ruled by that state in this moment? Uh, in a little heavier way than some of the others, or is it all a collective? Is the nation also connected to its own planetary origins in astrology? Well, I think there is um, there is a natal chart for the nation itself, um, and that could be really interesting to look at. Um, I think there is a great degree of unconsciousness. Um, and I say that in the negative sense of the word of being um, sort of compelled by unconscious forces and not necessarily in a, in a positive direction. Um, I hesitate to say that that is lunar in general, because I think on the positive side, the lunar aspect of the unconscious allows us to begin working with what's hidden within us. Um, it connects us with the symbolic world, with the language of our dreams, and gives us a richer, more full experience of what this reality is. And I think people that are driven by the unconscious um, solely, they're not really in touch with that level of reality. Um, it takes an integration of the conscious and the unconscious, the marriage of the sun and the moon for that positive quality to really come out. So I guess, yeah, that's an interesting question. I'll have to give that some more thought, but that's, that's what comes to mind. Perfect. And that brings me to conscious imagination. So if we really are these alchemists and these creators and we we are of this divine mind and we have this creative capacity endowed within us that is our untapped potential. 
talk a little bit about how this conscious imagination is developed through levels of purification and alchemy? I think the imagination, before we begin to really refine it and understand it, it exists in a sort of volatile state. And in alchemy, the terms fixed and volatile refer to the opposite, something that's solid and fixed, um, unmoving versus something that is easily escapable or volatile, like gaseous fumes. Um, and the imagination, when it's volatile, it kind of runs off in all different directions. We go into unconscious fantasy and, you know, wander off into places of fear and anxiety and worrying about the future, dwelling on the past. But when we start to focus it and we start to fix it into place, uh, we can bring intention into the imaginative process. And I think this is where that beautiful union of the conscious and the unconscious takes place, the sun and the moon, um, the male and the female, the creative forces, the sexual forces that um, work on the level of the imagination to transmute reality. And when we talk about manifestation, this is really what's what's happening is we're taking a conscious intention and we're implanting it into the unconscious field and then allowing it to grow and gestate in its own time and then come into form. So we're doing this all of the time. We're continuously creating through the imagination. And the more intention and consciousness we bring to it, the more clear that those uh, manifestations are going to be and the more in alignment with something you know, divine and true within us uh, rather than bringing forth um, more challenging situations and difficulties and conflict and things like that. Um, and that's not to say that we're manifesting every single thought that we have, um, simply that when we're putting a lot of energy into something, that's when we begin to really bring things forth into reality. Uh, so to me, the alchemical work is a process of clarifying and refining our thoughts and our imagination so that we're creating a more beautiful, harmonious experience for ourselves and for the world around us. You talk a bit about the reconciliation or the sacred marriage of the opposites and that there's an initial unity that has to be recovered. And you talk about the Trinity forming from heaven and that we exist in that ultimate divinity, ultimately becoming like the gods that we are. But once we have that transcendent experience, it's like we want to dip back down into the unconscious waters and we want to return to earth and we want to have that experience again. I was really fascinated by one of the charts that you had in the book where it not only talked about the Trinity and the four directions and elements, but you also included sacred geometry there. Talk a little bit about the connection of sacred geometry to the elements. Hmm. Can you clarify your question just a little bit? I'm, I'm wanting to center in on uh, how we are even these crystalline structures, how we are this sacred geometry in itself and how the elements work within that sacred geometry as well or connect to it. Mm. 
Well, what comes to mind, and I'm not sure if this is what you're getting at, but with the Trinity that you're talking about, uh, we can think of the triangle and with the four elements, the square, and with consciousness itself, uh, the unified circle. And so in alchemy, one of the symbols um, that's very important is called the philosopher's stone. And that's essentially what it is, is this outer unified circle of consciousness itself. And uh, within that, a triangle for the three principles of soul, spirit, and body. And within that, a square of the four elements. So fire, air, earth, and water. And again, at the very center of that symbol is another circle. And that's that point of inner unity, the, the marriage of the opposites within us. So this is one way that sacred geometry sort of encapsulates these divine concepts and just essentially the, um, the framework of reality itself, everything um, held within this unified sphere and all things containing that uh, trinity of the three principles, um, what in the Vedic sense we would call rajas, tamas, and sattva, uh, or an electromagnetic energy, the positive, negative, and neutral fields, um, expansive, contractive, and the balanced place in between. Um, and then all of the elements kind of affecting different levels of our experience as well. So the, the physical and the earth, um, the water being the emotional, the fire being the intuition or the action of our being, and the air being related to the mind. And I think through this work is how we bring all of this into harmony and all of this into union. And at the core of it, again, that inner circle of that diagram, that's where that union of the opposites, which is also a quintessential aspect of this whole process, is the just the simple opposites of um, male and female, which we all contain. So in alchemy, that's represented by the divine hermaphrodite, the union of these two energies within one body. Um, and I think working with sacred geometry in general is a way to commune with the harmony um, and each of the different shapes within sacred geometry reflects different planetary energies. And so we can focus on um, different shapes to kind of connect with those planetary energies as well. I, I, want to hone in on the word contracting that you expressed because as I moved through my seven-year experience where I was going through that decomposition and dissolving that took place, it very much was a con contraction that had to take place to almost come to nothing in order to then birth again to, in a sense, less of who I was and yet more of who I was, less mm -hmm. of who I was humanly and more of who I was in terms of connection to the divine. And that seems to be, as you write, um, very Saturnian, that contraction and decomposition is very much that. And one of the illusions that, that I speak about in my work is the illusion of time. And you also write that Saturn represents time and structure, limitations and change. Mm -hmm. And that it does provide that 
necessary pressure that is required for us to move into into evolution. And I think that that takes me back to your original painting that is the infinity and yet the Ouroboros that come together as the swan and the crocodile. It's almost as if our world, our nation, our world is in a time of this contraction, this decomposition that has to take place in order to then eventually rise up into a higher expression of ourselves. And to look at the planets in this way as participating, uh, whether that be to bring forth the negative influences or to be the archetypes to rise higher. Uh, talk a little bit about how you see these challenging times and what we do with them in regard to the planets and the archetypes that you're seeing, you're expressing in your books. Mm -hmm. I do certainly see the times that we are in, we are in as being very Saturnian and very much uh, correlating to the first stage of the alchemical great work, uh, which is a Saturnian process. Um, it's called the Nigredo or the blackening. And it's all about that breakdown and putrefaction that reduces things to their most basic components. And it's from that place that things regenerate and that rebirth is possible. And this is something that the alchemical texts reiterate over and over again is that there's no generation without putrefaction. And I think we've just gotten to such an extreme place um, in this time that we're in that we need that breakdown for renewal to occur. And it's a painful process, um, difficult on so many levels for us to go through. Um, another aspect of it that I see with climate change also relating to this phase of the alchemical work is the heating up. And one of the processes that comes to mind is calcination, which is the reduction of a substance to um, a fine powder or pure white ashes. And again, it's this intense uh, heat that breaks things down to its com basic components. Um, but it's from that place that that new life can be awoken and generated. And I think maintaining a sense of connection with the divine and with the exalted expressions of the planets of these seven archetypal energies is a way to, uh, to help us get through these times and to tap into the deeper purpose of what we're all going through on a collective level. I want to thank you for being here, Seven, and I want to invite you, my listeners, to connect to Marlena Seven Bremner's website, marlenasevenbremner.com. Definitely pick up her two books and explore her artwork. In Hermetic Philosophy and Creative Alchemy, Seven is taking the reader on a hermetic journey through each of the seven traditional planets, exploring their mytho mythological, philosophical, alchemical, kabbalistic magical, astrological, and energetic natures, and offering meditative discourses that reach past the rational mind to speak directly to the intuitive soul. She relates the seven planets to the esoteric anatomy of the human body, specifically the seven chakras, and how the planets can offer understanding and experience of archetypal energies and patterns in the body, in one's life, and in the creative process. The second volume, The Hermetic Marriage of Art and Alchemy, 
reveals how the stages of alchemical transmutation are relevant to the creative process, and seven shows how the initiate comes to experience for themselves the relationship between consciousness and matter, which is the essence of alchemical teachings, by creating one of the transmutes spiritual element by creating one transmute spiritual energies through matter for greater self-knowledge and awakening. Again, pick up both copies. They are absolutely beautiful books. They are so rich with material, and I'm certain you will find a lot to explore there. Again, that's marlena7bremner.com. Find out about her events and her upcoming talk at Watkins Books, February 29th. Until next week, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.